I also want to see it, but I was, I like looked and I think, okay. so I don't know. Anyway, so we had this chart and there were four groups and I'm going to mess up the, the original names, but I'm going to give you the idea. Sure. So there, you had to have a few people who you were just generally pursuing, who are not involved in chart. That were the pursuit. That was the first one who you're just generally pursuing. And sometimes that can just look like staying a few minutes after class and being like, what's up? Yeah. 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 And so that was like. That was like they're completely out That's of the like church your bubble. Atheist friend that you see across the classroom, they're like, "This person needs Jesus, and I'm gonna like strike up a friendship with them to share Jesus with them." Yeah, so that's the pursuit of the la- the final step. But you have to have people in each category at all times. Okay, but then you're moving them through the categories. Right. So you have your like, you have your secular acquaintance. You know that you're right. just like the what. <laughs> No, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> and you're just like, what's up? Like, isn't this class a load of crap? Like, yeah, right. just trying to like relate like to them. Like you're being a normal human being with, is what you're saying? Yes, but but there's like a deep underlying, this Agenda. is my plan. Yeah. And I had to type in their names in this red sheet every week. Um, What are you people doing? And okay. say what I did to connect with them. Okay, next level was like a chill friendship level. So it was like, now it's not just when you see them you invite them to coffee you don't bring up jesus yet you can bring it up in your own life in a sense that it means a lot to you but don't like push it on them yeah and see it if you have a few people that you were actually like hanging out with and trying to like get it to happen okay so you were like actually getting the friendship and you were like trying you're supposed to show interest in what they were interested in because then you get some buy-in and these aren't like bad things, but I think it's weird when it's like convoluted. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like it's good to show interest in what other people sure. are I'm doing. I'm waiting for you to share the weird part about this. I have this list in the house. No. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and the your kids write the names of their yeah. friends in each category. So it's pursuit. And then what's the second one? Sorry. I don't remember the but word. But it's like kind of casual connection. I love it. Casual connection. Sure. But the connection is like one-on-one. Like yeah. Something outside that. of the... Yeah. Also, every time we hung out with someone, we called it a one-on-one. Yeah, I feel that from, like, Christian college world. Right, but I also just, like, even, like, my friends would be like, do you want to have a one-on-one? And I'm like, I yeah. just want to hang out with you. Yeah, that was, like, a growing... And my school did not have... Like, we never had the spreadsheet, but, like, that was very, like, Christian bubble language. It was, like, people... If you were hanging out with someone, that, like, as you say, it, like, brings back a lot of memories from my college experience. It's like, a little hey, bit... you want to, like, get a one-on-one? Ugh. Yeah, yeah. And you want to get a one-on-one? Okay. And then the next level is you invite them into the community. So after you've, like, found the friendship moment and you're like, okay, we're, like, hanging out. Also, you have to do two of each of these every week. And that is eight people. Right. Which is just a lot. And this is, like, mandated to you by, like, the because Because I was in the – I was on the leadership team. Yeah, okay. So everyone on the leadership team had to do this. And so you have to have two people who you, like, have met with this week that maybe you wouldn't normally and it's not the most comfortable, but it's important. Again, that's not a bad thing to say in the yeah without context. Okay, the third one, bring them into community. Invite them to an RUF event. That's why we had, like, non-churchy events. And so right. it was like, come play glow-in-the-dark, capture the flag with us because we're hip and cool. Yeah. You know? And then we – but then we, like, got them in, right? And then they were, like, hooked. Right. And then the fourth step was sharing the gospel with them step by step. Yeah. 
<laughs> but like teaching them all the basics of like you would go through the book of Matthew with them. There was like a whole curriculum. Okay. Of, you would go through the book of Matthew and you'd be like, this is the gospel step by step. At the end, they like have full understanding of the gospel, basically. Yeah. Certainly they do. <laughs> full understanding. <laughs> it was called Christianity Explored. Sure. Um. So first of all, what's your take on just the, the journey? <clears throat> yeah. So I have a couple thoughts not snarky response first i would say okay. and maybe i'll just stay fully in not snarky mode but um it makes sense in the sense of like christianity is uh, a proselytizing religion uh-huh. right so like i've talked to our, right. our friend rabbi josh who's been on the pod been to the well one of the things that we've often talked about major difference between judaism and christianity is like judaism is a non-proselytizing religion mm-hmm. Um, so Christianity is, which that means like, uh, sharing with other people, like inviting them. Right. right? And so, or trying to convert them, I guess is maybe a better way to say it. But, um, so it makes sense in that kind of way, in the sense of like, you guys are a campus ministry, um, your leader who is the paid staff person loses the job if there's no one in his ministry. So it's self-generative. Uh, also if you believe Jesus is coming back and you believe your way is the only way, why would you not? So there's a lot of ways that you could be like, this makes a lot of sense. Yes. Also is like, I'll say as someone who started a church, like I'm not someone who's unaware of the reality that like I keep spreadsheets of people that are like, are they involved in the church or not? Right. And like, how are we like, who is here? Who are my friends? Who could I invite? But I wasn't like, Hey, here are my people that like are <laughs> my hardcore non-religious friends that I can invite them to laser tag to one day come to my church. The- yeah. But like I have had my versions of those things, but from what I hear you saying, it's less of like a, like a database and more of like a, like it's way more focused on the first step. Like all the other things are mechanisms to move the pursuit people into being Christians. Right. Yes. So, which is where I would say it was somewhat different. Like this is just like, for me, it was like, I want to get to know, who's in our church so I can get to know yeah. them better. This is like very centric on like who isn't a part of our group yet and we want to get them in. Again, nothing really inherently wrong with that. So Agreed. I want you to chat a Agreed. little bit more about it. But I can see where it would get like weird in the sense that like then no one is ever really a friend. Like one Absolutely. of my my mentors – growing up who uh, was one of my youth leaders, youth pastor, started the church, um, now works outside of ministry. But one of the things we had talked about earlier is like, you can't like have friendships that are like based in an agenda. Like either right. you're their friend or you're not their friend. Mm-hmm. And that's where it becomes like an issue. It's like, sure, you care about their eternal salvation, but I think on a humanistic level, you have to like care about the person before mm-hmm. you can care about all the other things. Even if that is the most eternally important thing that you believe in. Like if you don't like genuinely care about them now, and I actually said this in our sermon, like uh, this Sunday we talked about heaven and hell. And it's like, Jesus spends over 70% of those time talking about life here and now yeah, and not about life that's not yet here. And so mm-hmm. like, we have to care about here and now. And that's what I like think is a little bit missed here is it's like, it's so focused on the what if after we die and it like just moves people like cattle kind of through yep. this like farm of becoming Christians and why things like not to like shame things. Cause my wife loved, she grew up in like young life, loved it, but things like young life use this model uh-huh. and yeah. it's like problematic and doesn't have high retention rates because even though you're walking people through the gospel, where's the gospel. 
and like you said like at the end of it they fully like they don't right right because it's like a machine to push people through and that's why you watch people probably a decent percentage of our podcast of people that were on someone's list somewhere and then they never really got anything that stuck because it wasn't based in a relationship or based in like sound theology it was just based in like moving people mm-hmm. through the steps in a process well i um was a like i was a volunteer for k-life throughout high school which is similar or throughout yeah. college yeah. which is similar and we also had a spreadsheet for that about like when we texted them and like when we met with them and like where we think they're at spiritually and like yeah the spreadsheets you're telling that seem like way more like intense i've been developing the swanson pyramid of greatness for years here's the thing they are definitely my sensitive spot because I felt like it was um, this, it was supposed to be this like accountability for leaders to make sure that you were doing your job and you were, and so like that we had data to show the like people who give, because I also understand that like fundraising is big in both K-Life and RUF. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, and so I understand that data is a real thing, but I just have always really struggled with data. I struggle with it as a teacher when people ask me for data because I'm just like, I don't want to be so data driven that I'm not that I become not people oriented. And so I've always pushed back on that and been like very anti spreadsheet and been like, I forgot about it when I did it because Mm -hmm. I just like couldn't do it. Like it would breed like shame. You never really liked even when you were like full bore into that. When when the RUF spreadsheet came out, I called my pastor and I said, all this is going to do is create more shame. Yeah. And he said, well, some people don't do their job on the leadership team so we need accountability he was like i get that you already do a lot but also i just we're going a different direction than i thought and that's okay um also that we are not paid to do that and that really gets me and maybe this is very sassy of me to say but like i would get very very frustrated when i'm being like accountability held and being like, did you do three one-on-ones this week? And it's like, I'm a full-time student. Yeah, I'm not getting paid to do this. There were, when we had community groups in RUF, there were three leaders and it was the two staff members and me, which yeah. I was so honored, right? But I was also just like, this is a staff job and I'm getting nothing, yeah. which is, I'm not trying to say pay everybody, but what I'm saying is like, yeah. I think it's, it's a very weird line to hold volunteers to this weird level of accountability. Yeah, I I hear that definitely. I would say like something that pops into my mind that seems like a core or a connection okay. is like I thought like when I went to I went to Christian college, so you went to Mizzou, not yeah. obviously not a Christian college. I went to a small liberal arts Christian school and like we had to go to chapel mm-hmm. twice a week. Yeah. And one of the things that like I would often say to like anyone in spiritual life and to our president, I was like, you can't mandate someone's spirituality. <laughs> like, and yeah. so it's like telling me I have to go two times a week is making me resent it. Where if like I had the opportunity, maybe I would go. And in the same mm-hmm. sense, it's like maybe you want to talk to your friends about life and faith right. and you want to move them through organically, whatever you think that pipeline looks like. But I think the moment it becomes like mandated with punitive actions taken if you're not following it then it becomes something altogether different and and so like connecting to my own story like that's where i was like mandatory chapel i would say that's like the least christian thing you can do yeah because you can't force someone to be a part of this and it sounds similar to this it's like you can't force people like you who were a part of the collective very Mm -hmm. involved in your faith to be evangelists for something even if they care about it 
Because if you're going to get into the spiritual gifts thing too, not everyone's an evangelist. Not everyone's right. like out there to like do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always get a little, the spreadsheet doesn't give me that attention as I think it probably gives you. Yeah. But what gives me attention is forcing people to do something for the sake of the organization that maybe isn't actually helping them grow in their faith at all. Take it or leave it. And I would say retrospectively, looking back, didn't really help you grow your faith at all. <laughs> right. And I don't know if it helped any of the people that were on your list. Like, where are they now? Do you know anything about these people? Honestly, one of them is a full-blown Christian now. And okay. I just got to say, that was all me. <laughs> 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 nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> nothing to do with anyone else. That was Emily. I'm kidding. That'll go on TikTok and get roasted on YouTube. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but there was also a lot of people that were clearly frustrated because I was just like, hey, do you want to get coffee? And they were like, no. Like, yeah, did I don't people know, know you. Like, did people know, like, about... So, pull Great out. Great question. RUF, what was your reputation on campus at Mizzou? I mean, Mizzou's so big. That's what she said. <laughs> but I was very spiritual. Like, one of my favorites... This is terrible looking back, but in the moment I was like, I'm, you know, on fire for God. But, like, I was in English class, and... There was this girl sitting next to me, and I was like, she could be one of my pursuits this week. Because also, we had to go to our leadership group every Monday night, and we had to rep- we had to say out loud to everyone what we did this week. Like, so there was yeah. – to me, there's, like, some shame in that, but I'm also very, like – I easily lean towards shame. But I always felt like if I didn't do it, then I had to come be like, I failed this week. Like, I failed yeah. the leadership team. Anyway, but I rem- her name, I think, was, like, Beth. And I pulled out my... Hope you listen, Beth. If she listens, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Honestly. But um, I whipped out my ESV study Bible like a baddie. Mm. And it was like torn up and like, you know, annotated. Like, And she was like, wow, you must really love that book. <laughs> and I looked at her and I go, it's my Bible. <laughs> she was. She never talked to me again. Nothing worth anything, just a case of Bibles. I'll show you how worthwhile a Bible is. Which is honestly fair, because I was kind of like a lot about it. I was like, you know what? She didn't need to. She was like, Cause, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Especially at a place like Mizzou. I don't want to say especially. I do think sometimes when you just say, like, I'm a Christian, I think a lot of people who are not in the church, like, they might see that as, like, that's an unsafe person. Yeah. And I and I. That's kind of what I'm asking is, like. Yeah. So was like, I an unsafe person? Well, did people view, because like in a big school, in a non-Christian school, Christians can be viewed as that, unsafe. And yeah. then if like there's an organizational, like I've been a part of different, when I worked at SLU or helped did ministry at SLU, uh-huh. um, like every campus ministry had its reputation on campus. Of okay, like these okay. are the people that are like aggressively doing this. These are the people that are inclusive to this group. These are the people that X, Y, or Z. Thing. So every group okay. has a, so you've shared a little bit of like what you thought maybe your reputation was, right. but it how like was, was how was RUF seen? Yeah. Were people like, Oh, these people are just here to like, did they know that they were pursuits or did they just like, or were they not privy to that whole behind the scenes stuff? They were, they were not privy. However, I think people could probably feel my urgency, like specifically me. Like I was like, I have to find eight people every week to like do all these things. And that was like, that was very stressful to me. It's like a few weeks into the semester. Everyone's like, oh, I'm just making rounds to me this time. I'm just like, like, I just have to find people to pursue and be like, hey, I'm Emily. You know, like, like that part really stressed me out. And so I'm sure they were probably like, 
And also, my, sometimes my pastor would assign one-on-ones to me. So if like he met a random student on campus, He's like Emily would be a great person for you to hang out with. And yeah, and so and so I would like run from class to you know get coffee with this person. You run faster than Forrest Gump any day, and you know all that. I remember I had coffee with this one girl, and she was like, "I just really like to like compartmentalize my faith." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, this girl is in, does not get it." <laughs> so something that's interesting to me, I don't know. I don't know We're going you, a different direction, but I want to keep going wherever yeah. we are. Well, so I was gonna say, I don't know that you want to go here or not, and so you can take this as far okay. as you want. But I think what's interesting when I look at this is, and I think this is biblical, uh, that you can only be pursuing like one thing, right? And in this, you're pursuing like people and people like Jesus and your faith is not the pursuit of your heart in that process, right? Like people populating the organization are in name what you're pursuing. Like there's no name of like pursuing Christ. There's no name of pursuing depth in your relationship with God, like any of that. It's like about pursuing other people to join the club. Well, that was another four step thing. So there was grow, eat, serve, go. So there was like grow in knowledge of God's word. Yeah. Eat together. So that was like the community part. Serve, serve, and then go like find non-Christians and like be a part of their community. So funny. It just is like, I'm like this guy too. So it's just funny how not creative church people are. It's like, Uh I've re I branded that in my own way. Yeah. It's just so funny. We're just like all the same. (laughs) So, so he would, so like my pastor would have said like, well, Emily like pursuing Christ and pursuing, but we would have said biblical knowledge um, is like grow. And then what you did is you would get, we got an award after every semester for one of the four. Okay. Um, so I actually got the Go Award because I always brought a new bitch to RUF, okay? <laughs> I'm out this bitch! Every single time. I was like, this is my friend, Tammy, who I barely met, but I was like, please come. <laughs> I was so annoying. And <laughs> it was the worst. And so, and they were, the like, they were like, Emily's a bringer. I was like, I am a bringer. And so I just brought everybody. They never came back. They were just like, this yeah, is like your not Your retention my vibe. rate was pretty low, but you were, <laughs> my you got a lot of the bats. <laughs> pretty low. But because <laughs> they were just like, what in the world? But because um, I kind of catfished them with it a little bit. You know, like I was like, there's like cornhole. But then we also like sang and had a sermon. Yeah. Here's okay. But in general, like, I actually don't even think my pursuit was actually people are actually spreading the gospel because I was a hardcore Calvinist. I was like, literally, I don't have control over this. Sure. My honestly, my goal was like to make my pastor proud of me. Yeah. To TBH. Cause yeah. I loved getting the texts that were like, you're such a great bringer. Like, yeah. Oh my God, God is working through you. And I'm like, yeah, he is. Yeah. Well, I think that's a very astute of you to like realize that that's like what you were oh, yeah. pursuing. But I also like, think that you're probably not the only one in that right and it's not inherently bad like i mean and maybe it is inherently bad but i'll think about this for a second as i verbally process but like he, your pastor cares a lot about his life and his faith and the theology he's crafted around that and he's brought up other people around him that are a part of that and so like for him like he's probably really proud to like see people like yeah because it's not like you're bringing people to ruf you're bringing people to christ is how he so but I think for you, retrospectively looking back, like, I don't know that, and it sounds like you said this, like you didn't really draw that much closer to Jesus in this process. And you're not quite certain that the people that you brought to RUF 
true that now if you believe in like you're planting seeds everywhere it's like those will grow at their own time and that's great but it's like how many people in this process really like got that much closer to jesus which is an interesting thing to think about and i was so frantic and miserable because i was just like it was this balance which is a hallmark of like really defined presbyterian or reformed faith (laughs) but like the thing is is at the at the other point though i was the only girl that was like doing all this and so i was like i'm such a baddie like i'm a girl in the in the like ministry group you know like i'm nailing it yeah and so i just i and honestly i'm gonna say this i think that that i think that was used against me in the long run because i did so much and i just like I was asked to do things like way out of my boundaries and like I was asked to change my major for RUF. What? And because I wouldn't, when I did my student teaching, I wouldn't be able to like serve. I can't believe I'm sharing that. (laughs) That's wild. Mm -hmm. And was asked to move. I like had free housing, but they were like, we need you to move so that you can like have people over. So I like found a place and like paid rent. Which is fine. Yeah. Nothing like inherently like sinister about that stuff, but it is interesting. I think that's a lot to ask a volunteer. It's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask. Yeah. Trying to give the benefit of the doubt. I think it's a lot to ask a volunteer to change my major. Yeah. I don't know that I would ever ask anyone that. That's pretty wild. Especially if it's like in the context of the way it's being explained. If like if it's change it just because it might get in the way like your career might get in the way of like this campus ministry that you won't be connected to for the rest like the majority of your life they'd be like you might not be able to like lead a bible study and i was like well i've never been allowed to lead a bible study and so like i love that and so he was like you can change your major or you can but you didn't change your major. I didn't. And you know what? Shout out to my mom for that because I called her and I was like, I'm changing my major. And she was like, girl, no. Girl, no. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so mad. But at the end, like, I'm very thankful to her for that because she like yeah. talked me off a ledge. But I was just so invested in the mission that I was just like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Good looking out, mom. I know. I <laughs> thank you. I don't think I've ever thanked her in person for that. But <laughs> yeah. What a G. Um, all that to say, I think like that is pretty intense. And... Also, though, this is what I wanted to get to. And I know that we're kind of going long on time. So I want to eventually wrap it up. It's the first time back in the basement in a long time. And I don't really know what the theme of this episode is, but I think it's interesting. I'm having a fun time talking about it. Okay. I just like can't think of a title, but that's your job. That is my job. And one of the hardest jobs. (laughs) Um, But what I was going to say is. Guitar head. Guitar head pastor. Um. (laughs) (laughs) but like i i also think that that ultimately and i want to hear a little more about what you feel about like i think this ends up being an episode about like how to treat volunteers low-key because i think that this is all my experience of like being a volunteer being a hardcore volunteer and all that to say when i i had a very bad summer one summer came back to college and was like super depressed like i ended up having to like move back home for a little bit and think like thankfully it was during COVID and so I was able to do that yeah um which I'm just like I I was able to do all online classes and and very thankful for that opportunity but I was at school for like a month and I was like so everyone was like Emily you're like eyes are glazed over like you are like not okay and I was not okay Mm. and my pastor texted me 
and said, how many one-on-ones have you done this week? God, what a dick. And that hurt so much. Yeah. Because like, I was like, he, (laughs) I just told him, I was like, none. Like, I have no energy. Like, I'm trying to like, not cry all the time and try to like be okay. Like the answer is none. And I just don't know the like space that I have for that. And I will say like then, then after that, he was like, yeah, you like seem pretty like tired and out of it. And I kind of was like, if you saw that, then like, why Why did you ask me that? Um, And then he did, we ended up like going on a walk and you know, he was like encouraging. (laughs) Then we had a one-on-one and we went on a walk and I just sobbed on this walking trail and people are like is she okay and i'm like no <laughs> but i one thing about me i have no problem crying in public Love it. but like that really hurt my feelings to be like in a place where i needed pastoring yeah like i needed that care and instead like i was asked like wh- how am i gonna do more work more work that that is not my job and volunteering is a real thing and i think it's important but like there also is a point where it's like, I don't have to say yes to you and I don't have to do this accountability thing because like, yeah, what am I being too sassy about being a volunteer? No. So I, I feel that tension like a ton. And so I, I would actually like from my perspective as a person asking people to volunteer. Yeah. I want to hear your thoughts. I often, I think I err on the side of like, I don't hold people uh, super accountable which I think does actually have some other to the other extreme, like hyper. Yeah. It can have some negative, not hyper, but they have some negative impacts. So like I, and maybe not, not hold people accountable, but like I really am cognizant or try to be, I'm sure there's someone that's like, Danny, you're definitely not that. And you've overextended me, but I try not to ask people to do like, I'd rather do it myself if it's not like Mm. something people are hyper passionate about yeah, or it's not like their gifts or something. Right. So great example. Like I'm setting up, the sanctuary at the well like mm-hmm. i'm like i'm just gonna fall on this grenade like i don't need to ask someone to get there two hours early an hour early to like move chairs and be in this hot room like kids ministry like i really like i haven't done a huge push to like get people in there because a lot of people are like i'm not that passionate about that so like i let yeah. people that are passionate come to me and then i give them the opportunity um and i think there's some maybe negative things in that like there's not a probably a huge you could make this argument and maybe I should make this argument. There's not a huge culture of like volunteerism and serving at the well, probably because of that. Because yeah. you may be like, Well, Danny does a lot of stuff. But mm. I try to protect that because I've been in situations where I've been the volunteer that's overworked or when I took over one of the campuses of a church I worked at, all of my volunteers quit on me. Not because of anything the pastor before did, but they all carried the mission and the vision really hard worked every Sunday for three years and like this is just exhausting and I was like I don't want anyone to feel like that and so it's probably somewhat of an overcorrection but I do think like from your perspective or for anyone that's like at a church like I think no one maybe not no one I think you and everyone in your seat should ask like is this something I'm passionate about is it something I'm gifted to do and do I simply just want to wake up and do this it's like if it's every day if it's once a week, if it's one hour, three hours, like that's not really relevant as much as like, do I want to do whatever I'm like the time frame I'm committing to? Great example. You preached. You were like, hey, I don't want to preach. And you were on the schedule. I could have been like, well, you're on the schedule and you I'm taking this Sunday off. And like that wouldn't have been life giving to you, me or the church. 
I would have been pretty hurt by that, even though I would have understood. Yeah. And like, I think you're gifted at preaching. I think you have the skills for that. I think mm-hmm. that it's part of like your passion and all of that. Yeah. I think you have all of the gifts and graces to do that. And now, six, seven months later, you're doing it again. Absolutely. And that's awesome. But like, how would that have been different if from my perspective, it was like my job is to be like, you committed to this and you're doing this. And so just white knuckle it and get through it. Like you probably wouldn't. And this podcast probably wouldn't still be happening. Our friendship might not be happening. It's a really good point. And I don't know that you'd ever preach again. And so, and for something that I think right. you're like objectively like gifted at, like I think it'd be like a waste to mm. think of the short term versus the long term for people. And that's for me as a pastor, like my job isn't just preaching or pastoral care. I think it's helping people in their time realize their gifts and their passions to be put to work for something that's bigger than themselves, but mm-hmm. not like forcing them into that in my time. Like it's about their timeline in that. So. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, I think you're right on the money. And I think like, I think even like the, that list you said of like, are they gifted in it? Do they want to do it? And are they passionate about it? Like sometimes all those answers are yes. And it is actually still not the right choice to yeah. say yes at the moment. If you just think like, I think like a fourth question is like, do I legitimately have this availability? Yeah. So that's another, I didn't even mention that, but there's people that do check the three I said, and they just don't have any time. And then they say they're going to do it and then they never do it. Or that's me be, right there. Or they begrudgingly do it and then yep. they stop doing it. And then they they resent me or they resent the church or they resent God. And it's like, it never works out if you don't have the margin. Now there's a great question in there. Do I need to create more margin? Are there things that are gunking that up or whatever? Like that's an interesting question to ask. Yeah. But the question has to be asked before you just start throwing yourself into it and then realizing in real time you didn't have the margin. Yeah. But creating more margin is weird because that was a big thing talked about in both RUF and K life. And like, I remember I had a job during Christmas time. I work as a Christmas elf and like all this. And that was going to make me, that was going to make my commitment to K-Life really difficult. Yeah. And they were like, well, then you like need to quit your job. And I was like, so true. And so I like called my boss. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I can't be an elf. And she was like, it's fine. But like, is that really what you want? I'm like, no, it's not what I want, but that's what they told me to do. Like, <laughs> I think, I also think the way that ministries create margin for you and prioritize things for you. Yeah. Well, I've had a pretty bad experience with that. The assumption when that conversation happens in the church is that you're creating margin for the church to fill that space up. And what I'm saying, create margin, should just be in life in general. Like, I don't and think to, like, it's chill. And to shout out to our boy Dustin behind the mic in his cozy recliner, his lazy boy, great, like, cognizant way to create margin with his new phone situation, right? Like, absolutely. Got like a new dumb phone that he can't do his email and his stuff mm-hmm. on. Like, limits that that's like a margin creating thing that will then create space across the board and Uh i think like we often whether it's in work or faith or whatever we compartmentalize where that margin is and it should be like a whole holistic conversation yeah they don't think to your point churches probably think in the holistic way because they just think of their own microcosm Mm. and then individuals i don't often think think of the totality of yeah, I'm with you. And even even like my boyfriend the other day, I had like a evening off and he was like, please do not create tasks for yourself. And I was like, oh, I totally do that. Like there's always someone I could be hanging out with or like, yeah, like there's always things that you could be doing. But like that, I think what I've noticed is I actually do have margin. I just fill my margin up. Yeah, I'm similar. Yeah. And I'm just like, then that then you're just going to hate everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is there a takeaway from this little, like, I don't know. Talk? That, I mean, yes, I think there is a takeaway in there somewhere. But I think 
You find it. Like, you find it. Um, I think for we me... We can't do everything for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think you and I have different takeaways, right? For okay. me, like, I always... I A couple things hit me, and these aren't even the major things that you even talked about, but I'm like, as a pastor who's not, like, hyper gifted in pastoral care, like, I just started going through the laundry list of people that were in your shoes that probably need more pastoral care than just, like, I'm than I'm currently giving them. And so it was a reminder for me of, like, I my job as a pastor isn't always the things that I'm the most like mm. gifted in. And like, there's a whole idea of what it means to be a pastor. And I think for you in the same way, it's like, there's a lot more of being involved in your life and faith than just like recruiting people to join the club. Yeah. And I think there's just from the seat I sit in, there's so much more complexity than we give mm. life and faith church, any of that credit for. And it's a pretty general takeaway, but for me, like, I just think this is, Everything that we've gone into in the 54 episodes, five episodes we've done, always continues to point to like the idea that it's just more complex than I think we initially give it credit for. Mm. And I think like for me, the takeaways that I'm thinking about right now is like, one, I wish, and I we're, we were all doing our best like with we could, but like I wish that I was able to see in the moment like I'm a volunteer or like I'm like this isn't my job this isn't my career and like to be able to put some boundaries on that because i really didn't in college like it was my whole identity yeah and i think the other thing is like i have some really good friends now who were definitely in my like pursuit people yeah and so and like we're really good friends and not all of them are christians and i think that that i love those friendships and i wish that those friendships wouldn't have started with like the urgency of and like the methodicalness of me recruiting them but also that friendships can still bloom even in really creepy ways like that yeah you know what i'm saying I think that's right. yeah um do you want to do an email corner or skip it i'd say we we chatted it up today so we did maybe start our next one we'll do a few more emails in the next one i dig it and uh make up for lost time but, but let's do some recommendations yeah you go first nope please you Okay. <laughs> Crap. No, I definitely have like I just need a second. Um oh, okay. I actually have one. I have I thought about this for a while. I like knew that I was ready, but then I forgot them. Um I'm gonna shout out another podcast for our this. Is that okay? Yes. Um I've been loving the podcast Benchtopia. Okay. It's very good. It's two girls like about my age, one's a little older, one's a little younger. Um, just like educating you on different things like they do a lot of research and they're very fun but one thing specifically is that i really enjoyed is they did one about on christmas and one on easter and one of the hosts is jewish and one of the hosts kind of was like raised christian and they flip-flopped and like the christian host explained hanukkah and the jewish host explained christmas and i really enjoyed seeing like hearing the christmas story with and the Easter story with fresh eyes from someone who like isn't a Christian and isn't trying to be a Christian. Like there was this really beautiful moment where Julia, who's the Jewish host, she was like, I didn't realize that Jesus being born in a manger was this statement that like, he is like lowly and one of us. And like, and it was just like really beautiful. And I just dug it and I love their podcast anyway, but those episodes specifically like religiously, I found very powerful. I love that. It's called what? Say it one more time. Binge-topia. Binge-topia. Like binge. It. Oh, binge. It's like bitch, but an N instead of a T. Uh, okay. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that. So my recommendation, uh, by the time this episode comes out, 
you will have just preached two days early. And I think I recommend everyone <laughs> listen to your sermon. I think it's going to be a banger. I think it's wonderful that you're going to be back mm. preaching. And I'm just very excited for you, excited to hear it and learn from you. Uh, and I couldn't recommend more to either come out to the well, which you won't have a chance to by the time this comes out. <laughs> I'll preach again. Or go back well. and, yeah, you'll preach again. Okay. Uh, or go back and listen to it. I'm sure it's going to be, you're talking about the gentleness of God. Yeah, and I'm really pumped about it. Yeah, and I would recommend it. I actually was saying about this while we were talking. I did invite friends to that who are going to come, Good. who are like looking for a church, which is like great. But I realized like what we tried to make methodical, like people just do. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a bringer. I've said this though. If you like the restaurant or the movie, you naturally invite people. Wait, to. but th- we need to go back to this though because do you see a little bit more? Why when you said that, I got a little stressed. Yeah, I can now see where you. Are. <laughs> um, but I still strongly believe that yeah. if you care about something, you invite people to it of any time, or you share it with people. But I get because I even was thinking about this. Like there are people. This was when I wanted to start a church like ten years ago. I I had essentially that same list, but I came out of essentially. I would say a similar background to yeah. you, or not the same, but similar kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, I put these people in my list of like, these are my non-Christian friends that I hope in 10 years will like be at the church. And like none of them are because I wasn't good friends to them. <laughs> right. And so I just, so I, yes, I very much validate and hear, and it makes a lot more sense because when you hear that, you hear like, like you get pulled back into what you once did and all Absolutely. the feelings that came with that. Mm-hmm. But for sure, like, but like this, like I did invite friends to church and I wasn't trying to be weird about it. I was just like, I'm preaching and it'd be fun if you came. Yeah. And that's much chiller. It's way more chiller. And that was genuine and not, I don't have to put their name in a spreadsheet. It's all about the spreadsheets for me. I'm getting that now. You're not a numbers person. <laughs> I'm not a data person. I'm a yeah. people person. Yeah. Not that you can't be both, but sometimes I feel like you can't be both. Yeah. This is because I see things very black and white a lot. Yeah. And so I see numbers are people. Yeah. Random way to end the pod. Um, okay. Yeah. It's like we started a whole other episode trying to end an episode. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, thanks for talking about this. This did not go the direction I thought, but I'm no. really, I think the conversation's important. And I think a lot, I know a lot of our listeners have really struggled even with like deconstruction, but also <laughs> a lot of our listeners have struggled with deconstruction. <laughs> Who would have thought? But, like, but also that they are like still volunteering or felt very burned yeah. out by volunteering. And so I think this topic is not really where I meant to go, but I do think it's really important. Yeah, I love it. All right. So shout out Webster Gross Field Hockey for supporting this episode. Ha- is that your wife's shirt? Not because it's pink. That's actually exactly why I'm asking it. No, it's my shirt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Did you play field hockey? Nope. Just got it from the coach. It was very nice of them. Sick. Yeah. Hey. Thanks for listening, guys. And embrace the journey. (laughs) Did you snap? Yeah. Yeah. I always snap. Good.